This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another Pipeline podcast. Tim McMaster here along with our MLBPipeline.com reporters, Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis. Both of you back in the fold. Thanks a lot for joining us again this week, guys. Always a pleasure. All right. Uh, before we get into the, the beef of things today, I just want to throw a tease out there because we're getting closer to the season and the prospects, the top 10 by position lists are coming soon to MLBPipeline.com, MLB.com, starting on Tuesday, January 9th with the right-handed pitchers. And then day after day, it'll go lefty pitchers, catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, outfield, and then finally Friday, January 29th will be the top 100 prospects list. I know you guys are working your tails off right now to get all those things figured out, all those things in place, and we'll be talking plenty about those lists over the next week. But let's get into the Pipeline podcast for the day. And Jonathan, I want to start with you here because you were down at the Rookie Career Development Program last weekend. We talked a little bit about it before you went, but I wanted to get your thoughts heading out of it about this year's crop of prospects. Did did anybody stand out to you when you got down to sit down and talk to some of these guys? Yeah, I have to uh I have to say that uh every year I feel like the group the, the crop that's there is better. And when I say better, I mean you know, this is a, you know again off the field stuff. We're just doing interviews, so it's not better as as prospects, but everyone just seems so much more polished, uh there wasn't a single interview uh, that we did that I felt, all right, that guy didn't really have a whole lot to say. We had to really had to push on it. But I mean, a lot of guys are very good. Lucas Giolito has always uh, has always been very thoughtful uh, to talk to. Um, but uh, you know, I feel like I talk about Malik Smith way too much in terms of this. Uh, but that's all right. Full on prospect crush. We want to know. It's like, well, here's the question, I guess. Do you have a bigger prospect man crush on Malik Smith as a a person from the charisma standpoint, not the prospect standpoint, mm-hmm. than I do on Dansby Swanson, or do I have more of a a prospect wow. charisma crush on Dansby Swanson than you do on Malik Smith? Because I, I I had to miss the rookie program, unfortunately. My my son was sick, and he's better now. And I must have heard from like three different people how much Jonathan loves Malik Smith. I think Jim uh, boycotted. I do. I mean, I'm not going to lie, but that's a good. We need like we need to like stat cast that. There's got to be that. There's got to be a way that we can stat cast uh, which which prospect crush is, is bigger. Um, <laughs> it's probably pretty close, but since you're uh, you're already engraving Swanson's plaque in Cooperstown, uh, I'll give you the slight nod, but only by a little bit. Uh, and, and Malik certainly did nothing to to hurt himself in my eyes with uh, with the interview we did uh, at the rookie program. It's funny that you mentioned Giolito and Smith because I went through these interviews to edit them here uh, on MLB.com. As you, can, you can watch a lot of them on the site. And the two guys that stand, stood out to me just watching your interview with them was those two guys. Giolito, just because 
He took every question very seriously, answered them, was funny when you'd expect him to maybe be funny and, and really gave good answers. But Malik Smith jumped off the screen as far as personality goes. And all I could hey. think was this guy has to be the most, one of the most confident prospects in baseball just by hearing from him. And he has to either be loved by his teammates or maybe disliked by a few of them just because of how outgoing he is. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't think it's like that. Oh, he's so cocky and it's too much. I don't get that sense. Yeah. Um, but he was, yeah, I mean, so you see, it's not just me, Jim. Tim, Tim's <laughs> developing a Malik's crush. And I've never even, I haven't even, even met there. him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I think we have to make sure that you go to Braves camp just so you can, can understand fully. Yeah, indeed. All right, let's move on from the RCTB DP here, guys, and get into some other topics. Uh, Jim, you recently had an article uh, on Pipeline.com, uh, Prospects Poised to Surge in 2016, and, and that's obviously something that you got to do a lot of looking into to see how things will match up for different guys, obviously maybe having big finishes last year and that sort of thing. But I'm going to get from each of you, I'm going to have you each pick a – position player and a pitcher and why you think they are poised to surge in 2016. Jim, since you wrote the article, I'll let you start. And let's hear, uh, as far as a position player goes, who do you like the best from this list as far as a guy who could really blow up in 2016? I'm really excited to see what Anthony Alford's going to do with the Blue Jays. And, you know, This is a guy who, coming out of the draft out of high school in 2012, was arguably the best athlete in the draft, could have been a first-round pick, except he was committed to play college football at Southern Miss. Blue Jays gave him $750,000 in the third round, uh, you know, allowing him to play both sports. He kind of bounced back and forth. He, he went from Southern Miss to, to Ole Miss, um, and then eventually after 2014 decided he was going to play baseball full-time going forward. And but the problem is usually when you have these talented two-sport guys, and I still think Drew Henson could have been a star in either football or baseball had he picked just one, but you just lose too many at-bats when you're a position player. I mean, he probably lost 1,000 at-bats in the minor leagues because he was pursuing college football for as long as he did, and usually you don't recover from that. But Alford last year you know, made, you know, spent his whole year in Class A, High A, and Low A, Hit 298, you know, had a on-base percentage of almost 400, uh, 27 steals. I mean, we're talking about a guy who could be a center fielder with plus-plus speed and solid to plus tools across the board. And I just, I was amazed at how well he was able to to handle the strike zone and handle more advanced pitching even after the promotion. I'm very excited to see what he's going to do this year. Uh, now that you know he's even got even more baseball under him. And Jonathan, how about a position player for you? Just want to point out that Anthony Alford also was at the rookie program. So just want to throw that out. A very <laughs> good interview. Go. Not Malik Smith, but but good. Um, I like I like Alford on on that list. Uh, I'm very excited to see what what he can do because he's still he is still figuring things out. Uh, I'm going to go with a 2015 draftee, and I'll stay here, you know, at home in Pittsburgh with Cabrian Hayes. It's Charlie's kid went 32nd overall. He was kind of a guy who made uh, some some late noise uh, in the draft in that. He crept up into first-round conversations a little bit later on. Uh, he really worked uh, worked exceptionally hard his senior year, uh, better conditioning, uh, has worked on his defense, so there's really no question about his ability to stay third. And he can really hit. Um, he has a chance to be a, a really good all-around 
uh, you know, third baseman who fits the profile as a run producer uh, offensively and, uh, you know, solid debut. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see the Pirates have not shied away from sending uh, their high school hitters that they've been taking in the first uh, first round straight to full season ball with somewhat mixed results, uh, but, but overall positive results. So it wouldn't shock me if Hayes, uh, goes to West Virginia and starts the year in the South Atlantic League and uh, and see what he can do. You know, as one of the young younger regulars uh, at that level, should be fun to watch. Also on this list, another pirate prospect, Harold Ramirez, and and he, he's another pirate outfield prospect, which is which is amazing when you consider the outfield they currently have in the majors. Then they they also have Austin Meadows kind of on the way, and Harold Ramirez. It's just they're piling up there in Pittsburgh. All right, let's move on to. To pitchers now, Jim, I'll go back to you. Who do you really like on this list as far as a guy who could really stand out in 2016? Another guy I'm really excited to see what he does this year is Anderson Espinosa of the Red Sox. You know, Boston thought he was the best pitcher available. I think a lot of teams did in the international market. They signed him for $1.8 million out of Venezuela in July 2014. That doubled the Venezuelan bonus record held by K-Rod. And they knew Espinosa was good, obviously. You wouldn't give him $1.8 million if you didn't. And I think he's been even better than anybody expected. He got to Class A. He made a start at the end of this season. Uh, at age 17, I mean, this was a year where, where typical prospect his age would spend a year uh, in a Latin rookie league. Instead, he was so good, they brought him to the Gulf Coast League where he dominated. He hit 100 miles an hour with his fastball. His, his curveball and his changeup both looked like they had the chance to be plus pitches. He had a strikeout-to-walk ratio of almost 5-to-1. And because he's not a real big guy, he's about 6 feet tall, but he's got electric stuff and he commands it so well, not saying this is, you know, I would not say he's going to be this guy, but you had people compare him or at least draw a parallel to Pedro Martinez. So very excited to see what this guy's going to do in a full season of starts. I assume they'll limit his innings, but uh, I would think we'd see him in low class A to start the season and, and really excited to see what he could do. He was just 17, like you mentioned, when he reached class A, Jim. So, I mean, how quickly could this guy make his way to Boston? Is this a guy who could get to the majors at, at 20, 21 years old? Yeah, I mean, I think he's on pace to do that. I mean, the, the, the tricky thing is, and I'm sure Boston will do this with him, you don't want to pile innings on him too quickly. So he'll probably be limited to something like 100 innings, and they'll handle him carefully. But, you know, if he's as good as he has looked so far, there's only so much you can hold this guy back. I mean, you can limit him to 100 innings in Class A this year, but, you know, he'd probably be in Double A at some point at age 19 and knocking at the door of the big leagues in age 20. I mean, if his, you know, the scary thing is he's only 17. If he continues to get better, he's already, you know, very exciting. I mean, incredibly advanced stuff-wise and command-wise for a 17-year-old. If he gets better, I shudder to think of what this guy's going to look like. All right, and Jonathan, how about a pitcher for you? Yeah, I'm going to – there are some good lefties on here. Um uh, and I'm not going to talk about Cody Reed from the Reds, although I do like him. I'm going to talk about Josh also Hader, at the uh, rookie career uh, from, from the Brewers, uh, <laughs> who really took a big step forward. And I, you know, I think the the Brewers uh, that probably felt this way already, uh, but not trading Carlos Gomez to the Mets, uh, I think is going to be, and, and trading him to the Astros instead is going to. Uh, really be a godsend for them in terms of what they, they got in return. And, and as Jim pointed out in the story, Hader was considered the, the third guy uh, in that trade. 
and he threw well uh, down the stretch. Then he went to the Fall League and just lit it up. Uh, he was outside of Alex Reyes, maybe the most dominant pitcher there. Um, has nasty stuff where he could, you know, pitch uh, in relief uh, if needed. And a lot of people thought that he was going to be a reliever, but I think he's shown enough and making taking enough steps forward with his command that uh, it, it would be foolish or short-sighted to, to put him in the bullpen just yet. And I think he has a chance to be a pretty good starting pitcher. He's talking about a, a lefty with a, a fastball that touches the, the upper 90s, um, and he main t- can maintain his velocity with a nasty breaking ball. Um, there's there's a lot to like uh, there, and I think – you know, he may he may have been the the third best prospect, considered to be the third best prospect in in the, in the trade initially. But uh, you know, Brett Phillips is really really good, so I don't know if he has him. But Hader is going to be right up in that conversation as as the 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 best haul from the Carlos Gomez trade. Now, a lot of these guys that that we've talked about, again, they're you know they're they're just getting rolling. Some of them in the minor leagues is is there a guy on this list that could contribute at the major league level? Jim, I'll I'll ask you this. Um, in 2016, is there somebody from your 10 guys here that could that could get to the big leagues and, and give something to a major league club? Um, I think there's two, possibly three guys, although they're, they're, they're all kind of long shots. Uh, you, you know, John, Jonathan mentioned both Cody Reed and Josh Hader. I, I, I think I think Hader, if if Hader had stayed with the Astros, let's say that trade never happened, I think Hader would have a good chance to open the season in the Astros bullpen as a second lefty with Tony Sipp. But the Brewers are, are not going to contend this year. They're going to develop him as a starter. So I don't think we'll necessarily see him. Um, I, I think he's pretty close, especially if you want to use him in the relief. Similarly, Cody Reed made a lot of progress uh, coming over from the Royals to the Reds in the Johnny Cueto trade. Um, pitched very well in Double A. I could see him being ready toward the end of the year, but again, I don't think the Reds are really going to contend. So I don't know what the the upside necessarily would be to to promoting him. So I don't think uh, that will necessarily happen. And then the third guy, uh, you know, I, I mentioned the Astros with Hater. Francis Martez is developed like unbelievably he was part of the kind of like you know we were talking about with Hater. he was kind of a unknown guy like a or even lesser known than Hater, but you know just kind of like the last player in the Jared Kozar trade in July 2014 he was in rookie ball at that point made it to double a uh at age 19 last year hit 98 with his fastball his curveball got a lot better his control got a lot better if he continues to develop like he did over the last year I think he'd be ready to help the Astros at some point in 2016 if needed. And they figured to contend, so it would be more of an all-hands-on-deck situation. So, I mean, I guess given the team situations, Francis Martez would probably be the the most likely guy of these guys to appear in the majors. Excellent. Well, we love lists. We just finished up talking about the list of guys who could surge in 2016 in, in the minors, and, and pretty soon we're going to have these top ten lists of position guys for, for all the prospects. But another list, Jonathan, you've come up with is the all-defense prospect team. And depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, the article comes out on Thursday. So we're not going to give away the full team because we are uh, we're taping this before that, but I but I definitely want to get into it a little bit as far as the best defensive prospects. And I guess did you have any overall thoughts when doing the research for for this piece to come up with this list that that you take away from the scouts that you talk to, Jonathan? No, I mean this has sort of become a little bit of a, a 
small series of uh, polling, you know, executives and GMs and, and, and stuff. And uh, I, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, it's still such a subjective question, uh, asking who you think is the best defensive prospect in baseball. Yeah, there are a lot more metrics to measure things, but it's it's not quite as quantifiable, I think, as, as stuff on the offensive end, uh, at least not yet. Uh, so I really didn't know if you know, I was going to get all one player, if there was one guy that really jumped off, you know, out and, and, and I didn't, uh, you know, without giving too much away, I think I got like 20 total responses with 13 different players named. So there were, you know, kind of all over the map. And some of it is like, you happen to see a guy on a day or got you know, reports of a guy in a, you know, from, from a, one series in the minors where he was, Outstanding. The the one theme uh, that did stand out is that it's all players up the middle. Uh, almost all of the responses were shortstops, catchers, or center fielders. All right. So I want to get each of you to take your your favorite or who you think is the is the best defender as far as prospects go. Uh, Jim, why don't you go first? Well, I, I mean, there's there's some interesting guys who come to mind. I guess I would lean, if, if I was picking the best defender, I, I would take the guy who's going to handle the ball the most or be in the position to make the most plays. I would probably go infielder over outfielder and catcher. I, I would go with Orlando Arcia of the Brewers, who you know came into last year known for his defense and then had just a revelatory year with the bat and now is one of the best all-around prospects in the game, but I mean, he's you know he, he's been an advanced defender for a number of years. You know, very good range. You know, his hands are soft, the arms strong. I mean, you know, the actions look you know like classic shortstop actions. If if you were drawn up a blueprint of what you'd want a shortstop to look like defensively, he's it. All right, so Jonathan, for you, we'll take Arcia off the list, and and why don't you go ahead and pick a favorite defender for yourself? Yeah, I'm going to go to the outfield, and and I I think I do tend, uh, in a general sense, to agree uh, with Jim. Um, although I mean, I guess you could argue the catcher could impact the game more, uh, you know, especially when you consider game calling things like that as part of defense. But uh, Byron Buxton is is so much better than any other outfield prospect in terms of defense. How he's graded, uh, you know. Most people think that he's going to be a gold glove caliber uh, guy when all is said and done. Um, you know, he's got a plus arm and plus range. His instincts are good. He's fearless out there. Uh, he's the complete package in center field. Um, so, you know, if, if I'm not going to go shortstop, then I think Buxton is the, the easy pick. All right, good stuff, and looking forward to reading the full article, seeing the full roster of, of best defenders at each position in the, in the minor leagues as far as prospects go. All right, guys, one more thing I wanted to talk to you about here on the podcast before I let you go is the Hall of Fame voting, of course, was last week. Ken Griffey Jr., Mike Piazza heading to Cooperstown this summer. And for Griffey, he's the first number one overall draft pick to head to Cooperstown, which when I first heard that, I was kind of shocked, but then you think about it, and, and in the game of baseball, you're drafting young kids, you're drafting people who are going to have to battle their way through the minors, and, and it's, I think, a lot harder than, than any other sport. So it does make sense, but then the question comes, who's next? Who's going to be the next number one overall pick to head into Cooperstown? And I think when you look at that time period of guys that have recently retired, Chipper Jones seems kind of like the obvious guy. 
Um, so, so that's a guy. Alex Rodriguez is still playing the game, but is that how you guys see it as well? I'll start with you, Jonathan. Uh, is Chipper Jones the obvious guy who's going to be the next top overall pick to head to Cooperstown? Uh, yeah, I think he's the the, the obvious choice. Uh, you know, Alex Rodriguez, based on on the pure numbers, uh, would be, uh, and honestly, the the next one because uh, obviously with him still being active he'll have to wait a little bit his case of course is a lot more complicated um but yeah i think chipper jones uh is the, is the only other number one overall pick you know that you look at and say all right this guy is is, is going to go to cooperstown and uh you know if you sort number one picks by by war he he actually finishes ahead of uh, of junior griffey by a little tiny bit um so yeah i think chipper is 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 if I were a betting man, and I'm not, uh, but if I were, Chipper Jones would be the guy. Um, but I'm sure Jim's going to say Dansby Swanson. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I was going to take it forward a little bit for you, Jim. And and when you look at more recent drafts, but guys that have made it to the big leagues, I think there there's more possibility because these guys still have work to do, but they have promising starts. You have guys like like David Price, and then even more recently, Bryce Harper looks like he's certainly on path. Jonathan brings up Dansby Swanson. But of the more recent guys, maybe the last 10 drafts, who do you think is the best bet to get to Cooperstown? Well, I, I think what we're talking about here, Tim, also is kind of reflective of the fact that I think teams got better at drafting as they went along. There were a number of, of solid career guy, you know, number one picks in the early years of the draft, you know, starting with Rick Monday in 1965, but not a lot of Hall of Famers. You know, I, I do agree, you know, Chipper, I think, is the obvious second guy. You know, A-Rod's the wild card with, you know, people still conflicted about what to do about guys associated with PEDs. But I do think you have some guys who are, are kind of halfway or maybe two-thirds of the way towards Cooperstown if they can finish strong. Uh, you know, Joe Maurer uh, a few years ago I think looked stronger than he does now. But I still think he'll get a lot of support given the, the career he's had. You know, one of the highest career batting averages for a catcher uh, of all time. He's won three batting titles, uh, you know, won an MVP award. You know, he may get some strong support. Uh, you know, he's won. I think Adrian Gonzalez is probably – you know, maybe two thirds of the way on the road to Cooperstown, if he can have a you know continue to put up numbers. I mean, a lot of this isn't just how good you were at your peak, but how long you last to, to to compile numbers. You know, you mentioned David Price. I think Price is probably about halfway to Cooperstown if he can, you know, finish his you know have have a strong second half to his career. You know, Bryce Harper obviously is just getting started. He'd be an obvious guy. You know, Garrett Cole. Uh, you know, Steven Strasburg, there's still a lot of time left for those guys to, to build on what they've done, but, but they're pretty interesting. Uh, I think those are probably the leading candidates for me. You know, Carlos Correa, obviously, too, who just got started. You know, I'm not going to put him in the Hall of Fame after one year, but if, uh, you know, as good as he was at, at his age in, in, in 2015, if that's just, you know, the first act of his career and he's going to build off of that, then he'd be another guy you could see in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was going to say one key to getting to, to Cooperstown, I think, is to be able to start your career at a young age. So when you look at a Bryce Harper and a Carlos Correa and how young they were when getting to the major leagues and immediately playing at a high level, you think if they can stay healthy and keep this up, those guys really stand out as possible future Hall of Famers. Well, this guys, this has been a blast as always. The Pipeline Podcast, Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, both from MLBPipeline.com. Thanks a lot for joining us. 